Welcome to Cancer and You, with psychotherapist and writer Karen Seeger, who has also been diagnosed with breast cancer twice. The program is for everybody affected by cancer, whether you are the one with the illness, family, a friend, colleague, or healthcare professional. Karen talks about the emotional and mental impact of cancer and how to cope. She records her shows on her orange houseboat on the River Thames in the UK. Please note that Cancer and You does not provide medical advice. And now over to your show host, Karen Seeger. Hello and welcome to Cancer and You. I'm Karen Seeger, a psychotherapist and writer, and I specialize in the support for life-changing and life-shortening illnesses like cancer. I've also been treated for breast cancer twice. If this is your first time, you're most welcome. If you've come back for more, you're most welcome. I hope you will enjoy today's program, where I want to talk about cancer and relationships. I don't know where you are at with cancer at the moment, whether you are the one that has been diagnosed, treated, whether you're living with the illness, what your prospects are, or whether you're a relative, friend, a colleague, a medical practitioner, whoever you are, if you feel you are affected by cancer, I hope this program is of some help to you. You will know that cancer changes things. And cancer impacts us not only physically, but also mentally and emotionally. Even if you haven't got the illness, if you're supporting somebody who does, you will feel that your stress levels may go up, your energy levels may go down. Because of the confusion, chaos, uncertainty, fear, depression, bad news, everything that cancer brings into our lives, things will change and things will get difficult. And when that happens, and we know that if it happens for other reasons, then we can have friction in relationships. If you are the one with the illness, you may find that you put a lot of things into question and everything is looked at under a magnifying glass. It's just the way it goes. Because we question everything, because everything has been put into question because of the illness that we have. Things that perhaps didn't matter to us before as much may matter a lot more now. Other things that used to matter a lot may no longer matter at all. We reprioritize. But where relationships are concerned, we can also develop a very different threshold of things that we are prepared to put up with, things that we are prepared to live with. And that's why it is not uncommon to hear of people whose relationships cannot cope with the strain of cancer, indeed other illnesses like it. People are not doing anything right or wrong. It is what it is. There is a strain and we need to accept that and we need to address it and deal with it. And sometimes dealing with it can mean ending a relationship. 
Often, cancer can also bring a lot of taboos with it, which we feel we shouldn't talk about. And we then end up carrying a lot of weight on top of everything else that we are dealing with. So let me use this space of the show today to articulate some of the taboos that perhaps some of you in the audience today may carry inside of you. Let me speak it out for you. If you live with somebody who has been diagnosed with cancer, you may feel, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't get into the relationship to be dealing with illness, depression, with darkness, with death. I have my life ahead of me. I haven't signed up to become a carer. Indeed, if you're the one with the illness, you may also say, well, I certainly haven't signed up for this. But I also haven't signed up for being in a relationship with somebody that needs me. Now is my time where I need them. I need support that I don't get. You could also say, it's no longer time for me to be putting up with the way you treat me. You may feel you don't want to put up with the way people treat you, but you may not have the energy to do much about it. And that's quite terrifying. We hear of cases of domestic abuse, where people undergo cancer, but also have to experience emotional, physical, financial, mental abuse in their home. Parents may feel, I didn't expect my child to become ill. I had different hopes for our future. It might sound really cruel to say this and perhaps um, crass and filthy on some level to say this, but people might say, I hope to have grandchildren. I hoped for you to be around, to look after me. Now I live with the prospect of having to bury my child. But really, let's speak it out. Are those feelings not understandable? They are not filthy. It's very sad. It's a very sad state of affairs. You can probably think of a lot more examples. The friends who've let you down. The friends who disappeared. Indeed, you may have decided no longer to maintain contact with friends. You might be the one that is seen to have let other people down. I'm not going to argue about the rights or the wrongs, but people who have not been diagnosed with cancer can also be of the re on the receiving end of very difficult emotions from people who have cancer. For sure, it happened to me when my chemotherapy became more and more difficult to bear. I was extremely difficult to be around with. I was very snappy. I was very angry. I was very frightened. I had a very low threshold of coping with other people's issues. I was a difficult person to be with. And some of this stuff is still there, but over time I've learned to cope with it a bit better. Well, actually, I hope I've learned to cope with it a lot better. But I have my moments too. 
And something else that is really important to consider and to talk about is if you are the one who has been diagnosed with cancer, you may feel people's uncertainty about how to speak with you or how to treat you. Some people walk on eggshells, some people pretend nothing has happened, some people are supportive, some people disappear, some people are very prejudiced. And that will impact us in the way we feel about ourselves, the way we feel about our self-worth. If you continue to work during your treatment or if you return to work after, whatever the situation may be, it can be at work, it can be with friends, it can be in the neighbourhood. The way people relate to us may have changed and therefore it might put a question over how we think we should relate to them. It can sometimes feel that a lot of barriers are put in our way by people who should know better and by people who just don't know better. It can make us feel very angry and it can make us feel very alone. Cancer is a very lonely experience. Even though there are millions and millions and millions of people in the world and so many people in the country where you live who also have cancer, the experience of cancer is not always the same. The cancer might not be the same, the treatment might not be the same, the diagnosis might not be the same, our individual circumstances are not the same. Therefore, the way we experience cancer is individual to us. I don't know about you, but you might feel that you will be understood by people who have also experienced cancer. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to touch upon another taboo, I think. We don't always get the type of support that we are hoping for and that we need from other people who have experienced cancer. And I think that's understandable. As I said, the experience and the way we deal with it is individual to us. But this can be very upsetting and can make us feel very sad because we somehow look for a home, perhaps a home within a cancer community. But cancer communities can also be very diverse places. People have very different experiences and very different views about treatments, for example. People have struggles in their own ways with the uncertainty that they are facing, with prejudices, with fears, with unfairness and so much. But it can be upsetting when we are perhaps not heard are not appreciated by those who've gone through the same experience. You might live and experience cancer in a very different culture to the one that I'm living in at the moment. Depending on where you live and listen to this show today, you may have very different expectations and in your own community there may be different taboos and different ways of talking or not talking about cancer and people with cancer 
In some countries and parts of the world, cancer is very visible. In other countries and parts of the world, it is very invisible. The whole thing might be seen as a taboo, and you might experience prejudices against you in a number of ways that I never will. We have to recognize this. Again, this is an example of the diversity in the cancer experience and the cancer community. Now, so far in today's program, which is about cancer and relationships, I've talked about the difficult parts and the disappointing parts and the areas where relationships might not work or break down. But you may have also experienced the supporting nature of relationships of your existing relationships or you may have formed new relationships. Sometimes support and understanding comes from the places that we least expect and that's very special and perhaps you have also given support in your own way to people who didn't expect it. Just because we have cancer doesn't mean we can't support other people. Now Part of the cancer experience, which for many people is life-shortening, is also death. And death, needless to say, impacts relationships. When we have a diagnosis like cancer, we end up grieving in a number of ways for things that we can no longer do or things that we will never experience in the first place because our lives can be changed so much. So we are starting to grieve and we become aware of our mortality, indeed of the mortality of people around us, and we may develop a very different sense of time. It is hard to start talking about our death when we are alive. But I believe there is always a lot of point and advantage to be had when we can do that. And it might take time to start doing it. I always think if we can talk about death while we are alive, the life that we have will be a lot easier. Can you imagine that elephant in the room, death, the heaviness of it? The heaviness that we carry, the weight of it, the hopelessness it can create. Sometimes it's best to talk these things out loud. It was difficult to do it in my own family. My mother in her 80s certainly wasn't prepared for her child getting a potentially life-shortening illness and potentially dying before her. We don't know what will happen, we don't know who will go first, but it is something that I felt I needed to talk with her about. It was very hard, it has been a process of years, not days or weeks, but years. If you choose to do it in your own family, it might not take that long, it is what it is. But talking about it has certainly helped lighten the load that we carry. And Talking about it can also give you a sense of active involvement in the life that you have. It can give you a sense of power to make choices for the life that you have left and 
for the type of death that you may want to have. Again, this might be difficult to talk about. And yes, indeed, some people say it actually makes me feel frightened and depressed talking about it. I don't want to hear this. And Karen, quite frankly, I don't want you to talk about it. Give us the good news. Tell us what to do for the best. Well, I believe this is something that is for the best. But I quite agree with you. If you don't want to hear it, then it might not be the right time for you. You might feel a lot of resistance and then there is no point in forcing ourselves to do anything or face up to anything or deal with anything that we do not want. You are in charge of your life. You do what you think is right. Whatever we choose to do, we also have to deal with the consequences. I'll give you some suggestions here and you might choose to come back to it in your own good time. Relationships and cancer will also be relationships that are facing up to mortality and the possibility of death. Another area of cancer and relationships is forming new relationships. Perhaps after our diagnosis, during our treatment, after our treatment, when we live with cancer, even with a terminal diagnosis, we form new relationships. If you have lost somebody to cancer, you may want to form new relationships or you may not want to form a new relationship at all. But we are relational beings and for some people it can be very difficult to form new relationships because it may feel as a form of betrayal of the person that has perhaps died, it may not be um, looked upon kindly in your family or in your society. If you have cancer or have had cancer in your life, you may think nobody wants to know you and perhaps those who do might have ulterior motives, they might have an agenda. Things are not straightforward where cancer is involved. It is a complex thing and we have to think very carefully what is in our own best interest. And that can be very frustrating. We have lost being carefree in our life when illnesses like cancer enter our life. So in today's program, Cancer and You, we have looked at cancer and relationships. I've talked about the difficulties. I've talked about the taboos. I've talked about how diverse our own views can be and the disappointment we may experience but also the unexpected support that we might find. I hope you have found today's program of use. I hope it has given you some ideas, has helped to answer some of your questions. You're always welcome to write in via my karenzieger.com website. I look forward to welcoming you here again. Until then, do take good care and see you soon. Thanks for listening to Cancer and You with your host Karen Seeger. You can follow Karen on Twitter at Karen Seeger. Catch up with her articles, videos and work via her website karenseeger.com. That is K-A-R-I-N-S-I-E-G-E-R. We look forward to welcoming you here again next time.